0: Welcome to the platform podcast where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. On this episode, my guest is none other than Lorna Kleidman. She is a legend in kettlebell sport. She is a master of sport international class, a multiple world record holder, and in this episode, we get into her background in kettlebell sport, as well as her dropping some knowledge on me about the origins of kettlebells that I did not know of, and we talk about her ideas on how we could potentially grow the sport in the States, as well as what she's been up to in the time of COVID and her latest venture. I want to take a moment to say thank you. I am incredibly grateful that you listened to this podcast. And if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice, share on social media, and support my work by supporting our sponsors. You'll find affiliate links in the episode notes. Now, without further ado, let's get into it with Lorna Kleidman. All right, welcome into this episode of the platform podcast. My guest today needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one. Anyways, she is the legend, Lorna Kleidman. She is a personal trainer, a master of sport in kettlebell sport and a snatch expert, if I do say so myself, Lorna, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Jordan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And I was listening to all the podcasts in the past few weeks and you've got all the single name. Uh, athletic stars on a Solomon and (laughs) Carter and Juan and Douglas and Jennifer and I'm like you know I mean everybody knows who those people are and so I they're all good friends and I, I respect and love them all so I'm really honored to be in such great company. Thank you. Well,
0: for and now, me. and now I've got Lorna. I mean, you're yeah, you you're, sing- Lorna, you're, a, right. you're a single name athlete too. I mean, let's I mean let's let's just set the context for everybody. Lorna is uh, a world record holder in snatch. Um, she with the 24 kilo kettlebell. She can out she can out snatch me and i literally am two of her as far as body weight is concerned so she is she is fantastic with with the 24 kilo kettlebell uh what's your personal record for snatch now
1: so far i'm up to 169 it with the 24
0: is, that is incredible and you did yeah, what 2, two oh, i think 207 earlier this week with the 20
1: 207 with the 20 which is a new absolute national record and that that felt really good um Yeah, my training's been. You made it look easy, that's for sure. (laughs) Huh?
0: You made it look easy, that's for sure. I saw the. You know what? It's like like the
1: past year, my training's been so good, and things have just come together. And now I realize that it 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 doesn't have to be such a struggle. You don't have to fight to the death on the platform. I I know what that's like, but now it's you, you fight. The most during training and then now in the past year when i go to reach my personal bests or submit competition video it's it's just something's clicking where it's now it's easy because the training is so um thorough and appropriate
0: <laughs> ther- ther- so is like, it, ther- like thorough is a nice word place. for it i like that it, yeah
1: yeah, it's where you want to be. I mean, that's where that's what you train for years to get to. It's like it's where you want to be. So when those bigger numbers come and it's not so arduous, and you feel like, oh, okay, I, that wasn't so bad. I, you know, and you don't so have to one, go take a nap afterward, then, then you know it's good. <laughs>
0: that's one of my favorite parts,
1: though. Yeah, you
0: get the best sleep. So when you, when you talk about your, your training, uh, being thorough and your prep being, your prep being thorough, um, do you, do you typically train with heavier weights than what you compete with, or do you train above pace or what's kind of, what's kind of your approach to making sure you have that, that base to be, I mean, sustaining 20 RPMs for a full 10 minutes is, is a serious undertaking with any weight. Um, but you do it with, with really, really high weights, you know, relative to your body weight. So how do you prepare for that?
1: Um, well, it's based on what my coach gives me. (laughs) <laughs> and I've been with nine different coaches through the past 12 years. Um, and uh, I've had a, she, she's Alexandra Vasiliev, and she's just great for me, for me. So uh, we do, I do lift some heavier than competition weight. But a lot of what I do is submaximal or under competition weight, high, high volume.
0: mm Okay.
1: High
0: volume. And yeah. volume being for the total session or volume being without putting the bell down or a little bit both. of both or both? both. Okay.
1: It depends on the day.
0: <laughs> both. Do you get, do you get, when you get your program, do you get it, like you get it by email and you're like, you're like, Oh God, I never, I never know until I open it. Um,
1: Not anymore. You know, I try, I've tried to, I've tried to train myself to not have that mental reaction. <laughs> Because I, yeah, that distraction, that, you know, reaction, distraction, um, I try to just look at it and say, okay, this is, let's see what happens. This is what I'm going to do today. And if I fall short, it's not the end of the world, but I, I try not to have that kind of, oh my God, am I going to be able to do it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, and if I really feel dread, if I really feel dread, and I don't feel like I'm ready to do it, then I might take an extra day off and do it tomorrow.
0: Hmm.
1: If it's really, if it really seems like it's going to be a big undertaking, which some, some sets are, then once in a while I might say, okay, let me just take another 24 hours and I'll do it tomorrow.
0: Nice. I like that. I like that. I like that approach. Uh, how many days a week are you training currently?
1: Uh, three to four with the bells. And then I do strength and conditioning with a trainer. Whom I, I was seeing in the city when I lived in the city. Now I see him. Um, I, I go into the city maybe once a month to see him. Otherwise, and
0: the do. city is New York City, Manhattan, for those of you that right, don't know. New, yeah, York, New, yeah,
1: York. <laughs> New York City, right?
0: The city. The city is New York, New York.
1: New York City. Now I live in Connecticut as of September. So I do once a month with him uh, down in New York City and then otherwise remote here at home. Um, because, you know, travel gets to be too much. So I do, so it's three or four kettlebell sets a week, one strength and conditioning, and then I go to the gym and do um, some accessory work myself, like some hip work, some posterior shoulder work, a lot of ab work, and then some cardio myself. So I'd say in in total, it's about um, nine to 10 hours a week, which is...
0: Completely totally reasonable. Totally total reasonable amount of training. Honestly, like that's not. Yes. That's not crazy. Like that's not three hours a day. You know, six days a week or anything. I used any to do things.
1: that. <laughs>
0: I, would, I was a, f-
1: a fitness class junkie before I got into weightlifting. That's, that's what I was doing. It was, it was, it was just maniacal. It was insane.
0: Okay. So we, we got to talk about it because you put it out there. So I, we said we were going to be a little bit light on your background because you've done a lot of podcasts and I don't want to retread a bunch of stuff that people can find on other podcasts with you, but right, give, right. Us the, give us the, give us the, you know, the, the Notes version of how did Lorna Kleinman become okay, so the CliffsNot- fitness junkie and
1: when i was about 28 between 28 and and 33 i started i was taking classes I i started taking aerobics at the local gym um i started taking step class and i started taking boxing and on saturday and i was single at this point so i had lots of time and then on saturdays i would go to the gym and i would take this body sculpting class and then i would take a step class well one day i had a really good cup of coffee and a friend of mine said, um, there's a, a boxing class at 10 o'clock. Well, this was after my two or 11 o'clock. These were after the, the body sculpting class and the step class. And they said, oh, I wanna take it. So I took the third class. And then the same boxing teacher then did, after he did the aerobic boxing class, he did a heavy bag class. So then I started taking that class. And literally for six years, every Saturday, I was taking four classes every Saturday. And then like, before, when i get to the gym, I'd actually run a mile on the treadmill to warm up for the first class. And I was just a fitness class junkie. And then my my conditioning was um, really, really good. I um, can imagine. And then when I was introduced to kettlebells, it, my conditioning was super, super, was good. But I really didn't have the strength. Um, so then I started lifting weights. But anyway, I, I'd been there. And in my thirties, I remember taking these classes and thinking, how in the world am I going to maintain this? If this is what I want to do, and, and this is how I want to look, and I, there's no way I can sustain this for, yeah. for many more years, just because I don't have the time, not because I don't want to. I just am not going to have the time to dedicate to this. Well, fortunately, then kettlebells came and weightlifting came, and then I realized, well, I don't have to. Work out 14 hours a week, you know, 15 hours a week. It was just, but it was fun while I did it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, so how did, who was it that introduced you to, to kettlebells? Like who gets credit for, for getting, for getting you, getting the legend into the sport? Like who, who gets that credit?
1: You know, um, there was a gentleman, I moved to Florida with my husband when we first got married, we lived there for two years and then we came back to New York. But when I was in Florida, I met a gentleman, his name was Adam Cronin and Adam uh, I started training with Adam, and he was the co-founder of Kettlebell Concepts, unbeknownst to me. And he started teaching me kettlebell fitness, figure eights and presses and cleans and and you know kettlebell fitness types of moves, Turkish get up, windmills, among other types of lifting. He taught me how to deadlift and how to squat and all of these you know different types of um, lifting. And then he heard about a Russian kettlebell sport coach in California. And he said, you know, there's this, this competition called kettlebell. There's a kettlebell competition. I think you'd be really good at it because you're dedicated. You work out hard. You like to work. Um, you know, your conditioning is good. So he made the introduction or he told me about this gentleman. I called him and I went out to California and he became my first coach. And he said, uh, he said that he was hosting the first Uh, competition in the US with IGSF. That was back in 2007. He said, I'm hosting this in California in eight months and I can coach you. I'd like you to compete and be on my team. And I said, well, if you believe in me and you think I can do well and not make a fool of myself, then I'll, I'll try it. So I trained with him remotely. He would send me my programs and by then we moved back to new york so he was sending me my programs he wasn't a very good coach i came to learn but you know you don't know anything when you start out you somebody do not know you don't yeah. know you don't know i didn't know from anything anyway so he hosted this igsf competition and um, <laughs> he, he didn't invest in uh, electronic counters so God. the judges were literally you know those cardboard um, <laughs> the their numbers. Yeah, and like the flip two, like
0: the flipboards, right? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. You have two rings. Yeah. And you take
0: the number and you flip like middle it school middle school basketball game score <laughs> score keeping because you know people are only going to make like twelve baskets a game. So you don't right. really need the, the electronic scoreboard. They're just I
1: don't know how in the world they did it. But at <laughs> oh, one point God. fortunately they counted all my reps. But I think, but but they but with the guy with the men, I don't remember if it was jerk or long cycle. My husband's watching them. And he's looking at the, the, the numbers that one of the judges is flipping. And he's like, this guy's losing reps. And my husband, out of nowhere, is like contesting these Russian judges. He's like, wait a minute, this guy's got five more reps than you're counting. And, and he he noticed it right away. <laughs> so it was really just, it was my first, but it was a good experience. And then after that, I.
0: So that's kettlebell sport up. in the USA for the first time. Right. <laughs> We're setting the bar pretty low
1: very it was very very low it was very low um but then you know i i want i got the bug and i kept training and
0: did you win did you did you win did i, just I hear I won you say-
1: that one well not well not really i came in second in my weight category i but i made a pr which was good and then i came in first in my age category but i wasn't competing against anybody else yeah one of, the, it really yeah, one felt of those good. Uh, yeah it's one of those So, um, but, you know, it was great. And uh, it was really good experience. And I met a lot of people. Um, And then it was onward from there. I just wanted to continue and see where I could go with it.
0: Fast forward 14 years, and you're still you're still kicking ass and taking names and breaking PRs and setting national records. So well, so you were there. You were there at the start um, for the for the U.S. introduction yes. to, to kettlebell sport. Um, where do you see the future of the sport going? Right, because that's a big that's such that's a, a big thing. Question.
1: Wow, that's such a good question. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that when kettlebells are mentioned on on social media or somebody's demonstrating, the default kettlebell style is hard style first, I just want to say that it's really a shame. Um, I, I saw a post last week of a video of a a young woman who's very capable, good teacher, uh, saying kettlebell, she was coming down on kettlebell instructors. And she said, if you're a kettlebell instructor, then why are you teaching and demonstrating your swings with a single arm swings with rotation or your snatches with rotation? And why are you lifting your heels? shouldn't be doing that. If we wanna have you know qualified trainers and you're calling yourself a kettlebell instructor, then don't do this and you know do it this way and blah, blah, blah. And I really wasn't clear on whether she, who she was speaking to in terms of what style. So I messaged her or I posted on her, um, I posted a response. I said, well, but you're aware that in kettlebell sport, we do lift one heel and we do use rotation. She said, oh yes, I'm not talking to kettlebell sport it's a, it's a different, um, different intention. Okay. I get it. But when I demonstrate kettlebell sport movements or technique in my videos, I qualify it as kettlebell sport
0: mm-hmm.
1: here. This is that these are techniques we're going to utilize. And this is what I'm going to show you in order to have endurance in order to get your numbers up to compete, or in order to just work your cardio, right? You don't have to compete, but yet when, the hard stylers demonstrate, it's like, this is how you're supposed to move a kettlebell. You know, well, no. And I know, I know you've had these conversations with other lifters on your podcast before, so I'm not going to belabor it. But unfortunately, that's where we are now, is that the default is the hard style, which is a style. It's a style for a certain purpose. It's not the you know. Okay, where do I see it going? I think what has to happen is... There has to be a lot more publicity. If I had tons of money, I would hire a PR firm to talk about kettlebell sport. And then I would try to get some connections with big corporations to take it on and talk about it and promote it. Just like what happened with Reebok and CrossFit. Because CrossFit was basically underground for a few years before the boxes started to really proliferate. Then it grew memberships grew okay it became a franchise great but then it really exploded when Reebok
0: yeah threw it on the national stage got it on ESPN too and right yeah
1: so I think that's what has to happen with our sport it's got to I don't think it's going to be an organic slow growth that's going to take way too long it has to be it has to be promoted it has to be packaged a certain way and then people will be excited about it
0: what are your, What are your thoughts on um, like standardization of uh, the the weights and the standard like the lifting standards? Because one of the things that we're kind of running into is similar to what you see in boxing, where it's like there are so many federations and there are so many different standards and there's so many organizations that people get confused because they're like, wait, um, you can get rank one in IKO with this output, but for Keta Academy, it's a different output, and for IKMF, it's a different standard. Right? Like, there's different weight yeah. classes, there's different standards. Right? So, what are your what are your thoughts on on that uh, on on those dynamics?
1: I think we should be doing whatever is going to take the sport further toward the Olympics. If it means that we need to create one federation with one you know with one set of rules then that's where we should be going. I mean, what, what's our, what's our community's goal? Is it to get into the Olympics? Is it to get it to be popular? Whatever is that's going to take as opposed to just starting your own organization and starting your own ranks. And well, you know, if your if your goal is to be a coach and to monetize the sport and to have your own thing, that's a good goal, but it's not working to take the sport much further.
0: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, a rising tide floats all boats kind of person, right? And like the more standardized we are across the different federations and to your point, getting the sport to the Olympics, that's only going to be good for everybody. Because right. if you are a coach trying to monetize, you know, the, the sport, um, well, then if people see it on the Olympics, <laughs> they see it on TV, guess what? Suddenly awareness of kettlebell sport goes... <sharp> up exactly by, you know 100 exactly. million people overnight because because now suddenly people are like oh there's a sport where you compete with kettlebells and it's not this thing where you're having to explain to people oh no hard style isn't the only way to move a kettlebell right. actually there's this whole tradition that goes back you know 40 years of people actually competing in this right and having that you know yes. intro to kettlebell sport conversation over and over and over again um you know so I'm but I, 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 I struggle with that, like that interpersonal dynamic and the politics and everything. Cause I try and stay out of the politics of the different federations because yeah. I don't like it. Um, but at the same time, there's like, uh, <laughs> you can't lead if you refuse to engage either. So there, right. there's a part of me that's like, all right, you know, so at some point, somebody's gonna have to come in and, and unify people and say, like, hey, let's all agree, like you said, let's all agree on what the goal is. And if we're all like, if we're all for kettlebell sport and we wanna see it grow. Then it needs to be. People need to be aware. Well, how can we raise awareness? Right. Standard, Standardize standards, and get it into the Olympics. Right. Like,
1: that. but it's whose standards? That's the question. It's like whose standards? Everybody wants it to be their standards.
0: You don't know? care so, who stands that's that's the, the different like i have no is, ego about it i don't care who standards i just want them to be standards and i want it to be make sense like to me i think the thing that makes the most sense in my opinion and um, this is the first time i've articulated this on the podcast but what makes the most sense to me is you look at usa powerlifting as an example to follow because they have one federation usapl that that everybody agrees is kind of the standard for powerlifting right they have standardized lengths and dimensions for the barbells. They have mm-hmm. a men's length for the barbell and a women's length for the barbell. I think there should be two dimensions, one for men, one for women, right? And we standard, I don't care what those standards are. We can have that discussion about what's what makes the most sense for the most lifters, right? And talk about those things. What, what makes the most sense for the weight classes? What are the right standards from a reps and sets and all that? Great. We're all smart people. We can come have those conversations and come to some level of consensus. But first, we have to agree on we need standards and what are the, what are the standards that we're going to pursue? And I think we can use that as a model to then work towards standardization. And then that gets us legitimacy, right? You have to have standards for the equipment. You have to have standards for the rankings. You have to have standards for the weight classes, like those types of things. So that when the Olympic committee decides to assess it, it's easy for them. You don't have to make Mm -hmm. them do that work themselves because they're not going to. They're going to be like, come back when you're serious and you've got your shit right. together.
1: <laughs> like, I completely agree with you. And they are looking at it. The IOC is looking, considering it's under consideration, which is a huge deal. And we should follow the uh, the template set by the, by the weightlifting community. They've already done it. And We're a weightlifting sport. So yeah. we don't need to reinvent the wheel. There should be different standards for the bell handles for men and women, just like there are with the barbells. I totally agree with you.
0: See, we, yeah. we're, 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 making progress. We're figuring, totally... we're, figuring <laughs> we're figuring things out. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so how do you, so aside from getting it into the, into the Olympics, what, what else are like the things that you see? So take, taking the, the marketing component aside, because I, I completely agree with you, where do you see the sport going as far as, um, what do you, you know, what, what do you think people are going to be able to do from an output standpoint? Because every time I turn on, you know, YouTube or Facebook or whatever, like I see somebody putting up a new PR, a new world record. And like, I'm I'm just, I'm amazed. It's pretty
1: insane. It's pretty insane. I think women's the lifting weights for the weights for women's lifts will probably be increased to 28 at some point. And maybe also the men's, why not? Or it's gotta be an increase of time. So I think the first thing will be an increase of the weights and maybe we'll get into more uh, triathlon events we're yeah, not I, doing, you know jerk snatch and then long cycle things like that i
0: love i love hate the triathlon like i i I signed up for the for the for a 10 minute triathlon in in the end of february and i'm to your earlier conversation there's a there's a little bit of dread like i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to do a full 10 minute triathlon but i'm gonna give it the old i'm gonna give it the old college try we'll see we'll see how i think we're always gonna gonna push it forward
1: well getting back to my first couple of competitions with igsf women were only about 25% of the lifting populace. Yeah, And back then they, women could only in IGSF, before this was before Fedorenko created his competitions or maybe at the same time, but I hadn't gone to them yet. I had only done the IGSF competitions and women were only allowed to do snatch. There was no long cycle, you know, jerk or long cycle for women yet. And then they were only lifting the 16 kg back in uh 2007 2008 so look how lo- how far we've come in 13 14 years already pretty great i mean
0: it's it, it is i mean it is great the progress but i most there's part of me that's like i still see some of the baked in uh, patriarchy, yes. <laughs> and, um, it bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> it yeah. really, it really, really bothers me. And you still see some of those attitudes and some of those things. Um, you know, yeah. uh, you still see athletes or certain coaches that push their female athletes to do one-arm long cycle and 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 compete in one in one bell events. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. Like, I don't nah. understand. Like, how can you watch? You know kim fox and be like yeah you you know girls shouldn't lift the big bells like i have
1: no idea what what goes through people's minds if they're if they're limiting a woman like that if she wants to do it she should you know find another coach
0: yeah I, i i it is it is diminishing significantly because of because of you know, women like you and women like him. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many phenomenal, so, so many phenomenal female lifters out there. And Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's really where you see the boundaries being pushed the most, maybe because they had the most to go, um, right. They had the most space to grow, but you're really like, you're really seeing women just pushing the boundaries higher and higher and higher all the time. And it's, it's, it's yeah. so it's so cool to see. And I love, like, I love showing it to my daughter my daughter's got a pretty good long cycle already. She's, she's six. So how old is she? She's, she's six right now. Oh, she turns seven. And how, she turns that's seven a great time to start. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they just I've got their their bells from Moses, right? They've yeah. got their little their little youth bells, which is which is awesome. That's another another huge part of it. I think uh what what are your thoughts on like youth when how do we start a youth movement? That's in, that's in such Kettlebell? a great question.
1: I love Moses bells. The kids' bells are so well balanced they're comfortable. I love, they're, they're fantastic. I, I can't say enough about his bells. He, he did a really great thing by, by bringing them and making them. Um, I'm going to be bringing a children's kettlebell uh, course to Chelsea Pierce here in Connecticut. I presented nice. to them. They're like, they're very interested. I might bring some kettlebell sport for adults too, but, but the children's program I'm really excited about because that's the next generation. I mean, we need to start training some kids and really getting kids serious about it and understanding the benefits and the transfer to other activities, whether it's soccer, ice hockey, swimming, whatever, or just confidence, posture, Yeah. you know, all of that, it transfers and um, get them to appreciate the magnificence of this sport. I'm really excited. So we might think once covid slows down a little bit and, and more people can do classroom events, um we're going to be bringing that to Chelsea Pierce. so I'm super excited about that. And yeah, we need to grow the youth teams, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'm I I'm really excited to hear that you're doing that. It's one of those things that I I'm I have not really done any significant effort with youth. Like I, a part of it is I think I'm a little scared to do it honestly. Like because I've not not because not because I am I, I have experience coaching youth, uh, youth youth sports. Like I coach, uh-huh. you know, youth football and things like that. And that's part of what makes me scared to go that direction because <laughs> right. I know parents. I know parents and it's it gets a little Oh uh, yeah. The kid the kids are great. The parents I didn't are even terrible. consider that. The
1: parents. <laughs> oh my God. It's I mean, like the horror I'm always like,
0: ee, ee. Ah <sighs> it's right uh, it, sometimes it sometimes it's it's one of those things where like there's there's no winning right and that was like my like my uh my problem when i was coaching youth football it was like if we won all of the games but not everybody played i have i have parents that are mad at me uh if if we lose all if we lose all the games um then i've got parents being like why is that kid playing you know and it's like we're, they're sixth graders right like it's not about winning or losing at this right. point we're just trying to foster a love of the game and build discipline and fitness and you know those types of things but that you know like it was just there was no way like if we if we started tackling on the first day that we could do contact then I had some parents that were concerned that we were tackling too soon and I made the decision to not do tackling on the first day that we could legally do it one one season I was like no we're going to progress you're going to earn your helmet basically is what I told them so we started in shoulder pads without helmets practicing form tackling again we're talking sixth and seventh graders right and I had parents calling me the after that practice telling me we weren't doing the right thing reported me to the league commissioner telling me that telling me that I you know our kids aren't going to be prepared for contact because we're not doing it from day one and I'm like I'm trying to keep kids safe here like have you not been reading the news about concussions and all that but it was so it was like I've honestly I got out of coaching football altogether because of yeah it's 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 too much
1: pressure and there's absolutely no appreciate very little appreciation and you're you're the expert and yet you know, all the parents know better than you as to what you should do. And no matter what you do or who you try to please, you're not going to please everybody. Well,
0: back in my day, this is how we did, you know, like, uh, right. get, you know, you get, you get that. So I think I'm, I have, I have a little baggage <laughs> when it comes to. Understandable. Youth, youth Understandable. Athletes, but
1: <laughs> Yeah. So do you know where the name kettlebell comes from? No. This is fascinating. So I reached researched it many years ago because I said, what. Where the hell, because people, even I couldn't remember the name when I first heard it. I kept calling it kettles. I couldn't remember the name kettlebell because it's so unusual. And then I find most people can't remember it either. They call it kettleball or whatever (laughs) the balls or those metal things with the handle. So I was doing some research and the legend has it that back centuries ago, when the big church bells were rung, right? they were attached, the bells were attached to uh, ropes that were threaded through pulleys. And now some of these bells weighed as much as three tons and it required a team of men who were very strong and very skilled and coordinated to ring the bells pulling on the ropes to make the sound, right? The church on Sundays, okay? So in order for these church bell ringing men to perfect their skills and coordination, they would actually practice in another area of the church. Now the practice bells did not have a clapper. This way they weren't making sound. They were just pulling and strengthening their abs and their lats, right? So they're practicing their timing of the pulling without the clapper. So they'd put the clappers to the side or they'd put them outside the church. Now local people who wanted to do some strength training would take these clappers and use them as weight lifting equipment. And they became known as dumbbells because now the bell is dumb, doesn't make sound because you've taken the clapper out. Okay, so then the next story goes or the advancement of the story goes that strong men and athletes used to utilize old uh, cooking kettles and they would take them and fill them with lead shot or sand. And they became these load adjustable weights that they could swing and press and toss around. These became known as kettlebells.
0: I did not know that. that Isn't that is fascinating? A, that is a, a fact. It's, it's hard to out to nerd me on something kettlebell related. And that is awesome. You, it's really cool. You especially found a story I, mean, I had not heard before.
1: That, that the dumbbell comes from the church bells. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's a fascinating history. So now when you say, when somebody says kettlebell, you can say, well, no, it's a kettlebell, like dumbbell, because that's their synonymous.
0: Well, now I have a story to tell them too, as to as to where it came from. Exactly. I I love that. That is that is fantastic. That is awesome. Um, You know you speaking of dumbbells, you do a lot of training outside of kettlebells. Like it's not your, yes. it's not your only thing. And particularly with your athlete or yeah. I shouldn't say your athletes with your, with your clients, right? Some, some of them are your athletes, but like, but with your, with your clients, you know, as a, as a PT, you're not just like a one trick pony. You don't just oh. use kettlebells for everything, right? You, you're very, you, you use a, a wide, a wide variety of, of right? Almost, so
1: tell almost, us a little bit about everything.
0: your training philosophy with, with that.
1: Oh yeah. Well, um, I, I my training philosophy is, we're going to. Um, I, I really like for my clients to keep an open mind and be curious about what they can do each day. So we're going to go through a f- full warm up. We're going to get you a little cardio in, maybe a little power work, depending on your goals, depending on your ability, depending on your age. We're going to do a full body workout, and then at the end we do some assistance drills. Um, I have clients who are in their twenties, and I have a gentleman who's 83 years old, and he can swing the 24 kilo cal- kilogram kettlebell, kettlebell like nobody's business. He's nice. unbelievable.
0: I want to be that guy. I
1: work with him 4 days a week for 5 years now. He's incredible. And he's still trying to get his time to, down with the rower. <laughs> he's he's got a he's got his best is um 500 meter row at 2 minutes. And every time he does a 500 meter row, I do different increments of rows with him. But every time he does it, he's trying to get, he's trying to beat his 200, stu- his, two, his two minutes still. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a delight to work with him, but I work with all ages, all levels and um, a little kettlebell work if they want it, if they don't want it, um, you know, talk to them about it a little bit, but I don't, I don't push the kettlebells on everything. That's my thing. If they don't want to do it, it's absolutely fine. I work with my clients based on what they want and what their goals are. And then we're going to train accordingly.
0: That's fantastic. Well, and so you, you're saying you're across all ages and ability levels. Is there is there an avatar or is it really just like you work with all sorts like all sorts of people, different goals, weight loss, weight gain, strength, like, or is there like a particular area that you're that you're mostly focused on?
1: Strength, endurance, conditioning. And I especially love to work with people 40 and over because that's, you know, I didn't start working out really hard till I was about 34 because I had really bad asthma, even into my early, even when I was taking classes, started taking classes in my 20s, the asthma was kicking my butt. So I didn't really start training in earnest till my mid 30s. So I know what it's like to, you know, um to have goals and to work and to learn and, and to have lifestyle and, and things in life to come uh, into play and having to consider that. Um so I like to work with a little bit of the older the older generation.
0: You should get a hold of that Tom Brady guy. I hear he's he's up there, he's getting up there in age, but he's still pretty good.
1: He's magnificent. He's
0: were you, magnificent. Were, were, you were you rooting for him or were you are you...
1: I'm not gonna say. But no, actually, <laughs> actually, I wasn't rooting for him. I was like, you know, give somebody else a chance.
0: <laughs> I, on it, so, uh, you're you're actually echoing kind of my feelings on Tom Brady. So like, but I there's love no when,
1: denying he's magnificent. You
0: can't deny like you, you, you just as a, uh, you know, as an observer, you have to recognize the greatness, right? Like, yeah. it's it's crazy how great there. he is. But like, I'm like, when he first came in the league, and he took over the job from, from Bledsoe, and I was like, I loved him at Michigan and I hated that he lost his job at Michigan. And then like, and then he came and took the, took the job from Bledsoe. and then he went and won a super bowl. And I was like, this is awesome. What a great story. Six round pick underdog. Right. And then he continues to ascend and like, just works his butt off. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I love this guy. He's fantastic. Yeah. Like he's just, he's going to make the most of his talent. Right. And all that. And I lo- loved all of that. And then he beat the Eagles in the super bowl when I was in, when I was in, in college and that crushed me. And so then I started to not like him so much. And then now it's just, I'm like, I'm like, all right, I wanted to see my home. I wanted, to see the kind of the, the torch pass the underdog, to homes a little bit but yeah. you know like I still I'm feel I'm I'm a whore for greatness though too like I There's love no denying I love, I love seeing I love seeing Greatness, like it's just great to witness, and like when you yes. watch him play, it's it's just crazy that at an
1: inspiration. that, oh my like, goodness. to do
0: it for so long at such yeah. a high level, and how dedicated he is, and you yep. know, all his mindset, like he's he's dedicated his life to to the to the level he's achieved, and I also love the fact that he says, you know, you know, no matter what, I'm never going to make as much money as my wife, so it doesn't really matter what they pay. Me. That's like, his
1: only humbling factor, <laughs> but. No, there's no denying his greatness. He's he's astoundingly uh, just an unbelievable person, unbelievable uh, athlete. Yeah,
0: yeah, he yeah he really is. He really is. And I'm I'm always super impressed with his 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 mindset component, right? Like that that's such a thing that that's that I'm really big on studying and trying to learn from. How do you approach mindset with uh, with the sport? Like, because you I mm-hmm. I the stuff that I read from you on on your social media, like I love the way that you articulate things. I love your perspective on things and how you like you kind of call bullshit, but you do it in such a nice way. You do it in such a nice way, but you like, how do you, so how do you approach, how do you approach like your mindset to training? What do you trying and instill in your clients? Like, how do you, how do you approach mindset?
1: I think the first thing is, like I said, to, to remain curious, not to say, well, last week I didn't fulfill my goal. So, you know, that's going to affect today or yesterday I was perfect. So today's going to be perfect. It's just coming into each training day or each workout day with a curiosity. How do I feel today? What's my motivation? How does my body feel? Do I feel tired? What's that from? Or do I feel unmotivated? Maybe I don't feel tired, but I just don't really want to do this today. That's okay. Just feel it. And you know, but we've got work to do. Um, You know, are you distracted? What's distracting you? How can we put that to the side for, for an hour or so? And just checking in and being truthful to yourself and and to your trainer i i'm truthful to my trainer i expect people to be truthful to me and um that's about it and then then i i don't compete with i look at other people's numbers but i'm not competing with anybody else i'm really trying to get myself better each and every day not just with sport in in many ways as a friend as a wife as a human being, I'm I'm trying every day to do something better, hmm. a little just a little bit better. So, um,
0: how has sport helped you with that? How how has kettlebell sport helped you with that?
1: Well, you know, the longer I'm in the sport, the more humble I feel. When I first started and I won, whether whatever competitions I won the first couple of years. I was just so um, like, it's just a totally different intention. Like, look at me, I did this and oh my God, I'm so good. And, uh, you know, it was important for me to uh, say, look what I did. Now I still say, look what I did, but it's, it's from a different place. It's like mm-hmm. a place of, um, you know, I, I, obsession. <laughs> But really putting the time and the thought and the problem solving. Problem solving for me in this sport, especially with snatch, has been huge. And I have pages pages of documents on, on different things I've tried. I've tried every single iteration of snatch from different shoes to different stance to different breathing to different reps, to watching the clock to not watching the clock, to the way I insert, to the acceleration pull, to the way I drop, to the this, to the that. I've done every iteration possible, and I've figured out what works for me. That has can
0: you send me that list because years. I think like I need it.
1: <laughs> years, years. Because every time I saw somebody else, well, especially before this year, where I feel like I've I've come into a nice like uh, nice place, a nice groove. Prior to that, it was like, well, maybe if I did this like that, and maybe if I did that, I was always problem solving and experimenting um, to the point of madness where, where I'd be trying to go to sleep. And I think, well, Oh, maybe if I inserted this way and then I'd get up and I'd take my 12 kg and I'd start practicing with, and I start making notes. And the next day I'd have to do a half an hour of it to see how it feels before my real set. So it's just, it's just obsessive, but, um, but it made, made me really humble. Uh, mm. and you know, uh, it's the confidence, but it's the nowadays reaching the goals. It, it, it's not such a high, it just feels satisfying. It's like, mm. okay, I knew I could do it. I worked for it. I did it and it's satisfying. It's like finding the perfect greeting card for your mom. Or it's like finding the perfect parking space after waiting. Oh, that's a
0: very for her, New York you experience. Know, like
1: <laughs> circling around, circling around, looking for the parking space. Then you get it and you're like, oh, that's good. That's how it feels now. So it's very different from when, it's just different. Hmm. But it's synonymous with a lot of things in life. Patience, thinking things through, knowing that today... If you're not so good today, it doesn't mean you're not going to be good tomorrow. It's also asking other people what they think. So it's so much of it translates into, and, and a lot of it is not about the body for me. It's like, yeah, I take care of my body. Yeah, I do my strength and conditioning. That all goes into it. But so much of it is, is the attitude and the approach and then what the sport gives back in terms of the, um, the feedback about who you are. It's interesting Mm -hmm. in, you know, years ago, maybe six, seven, five, six years ago. I had hit a plateau with the 24 kg and I was, I was trying to break through and no matter what I was doing, it wasn't working. So I was looking at a couple of other female lifters and I, I saw them very smooth style, looked effortless, very smooth, very hypnotic. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should just be like that more relaxed because I'm more like frantic and snappy and you know mm-hmm. so then i tried to do that relaxed style and i tried that for months maybe a year and i was able to do it a little bit but it wasn't it wasn't my natural body's way so my brain said let's do this body let's change mm-hmm. it up and see if you can get better well i didn't get better and then when i went back to my own energetic way my snappy way my i want to get in and out of the movement quickly So I just, I started working with that again and making different changes and having a new coach and blah, blah, blah. Then it, it started to come together. And now I can be snappy, use the energy the way my body wants to move with the bell. And then I'm able to find the relax relaxation within my snappy approach.
0: That's fantastic. So
1: it's important for each lifter to find their own way and don't, try to fight it. If you, if you want to move in a certain way, then if your body is prone to doing it that way, then just stick with that and try to find the nuances within that movement.
0: Hmm. I love that. I love that. I I try and encourage my athletes to experiment and to iterate. And I, I try and not be too diagnostic about what they, what the way they should do it, because I'm, I'm a very big proponent of Bioindividuality individuality is very much right. a thing. There is no one right way to do it. There's your right way to do it, and we've got to find what what that is, and that and that requires test and iteration for sure.
1: Correct. Yeah. It it really does. And and when you're looking at other lifters, you you think you see something that they're doing. Oftentimes, it's it's not what they're actually doing.
0: Elaborate on that. What, what do you mean? Give me an example. Because I, I, I think I understand what you're saying, but uh, give me an example to make sure I'm, I'm grokking what you're saying So, correctly.
1: for example, when when somebody drops the bell, when somebody's lowering the bell, um, you know, it may look like they're spinning it. Like they're spinning the bell and then catching it. Whereas they're, they're not. They're actually letting it, the bell might stop at the, it, they're fixating at the at the side of the wrist. But then as they lower the arm, the bell is turning on its own by virtue of gravity. Mm-hmm. But to the eye, to the viewer's eye, it looks like the bell, the lifter's spinning the bell and they're yeah. not. That's they're, one just
0: letting, they're just letting gravity do its work. Yeah, and, but so, it, looks, it looks like it's there, that they're spinning it. But all they did was internally rotate their hand and the, the center of gravity of the bell took over. Correct. And they, and they stayed out of its way.
1: Correct. So there's a lot of that, like you think you're seeing what the lifters doing, you try to emulate it, but it's not always the case that you're, they're doing what you think they're doing. Mm. That's also very, can be very frustrating. Yes. Yeah.
0: I, 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 love that. I love that. That's like, I think that's such a huge lesson, especially for new lifters, like to, to not try and don't, don't try and emulate anyone's particular style. Like, like you said, test and try different things, but try don't, try and, don't try and recreate somebody else's style because it, I made that mistake as a, as a new lifter. Like I was going to try and lift like so-and-so and like, you know, like, nah, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, no, that's, that's not me. I can't do that. Right. Like it's hard that, not to do hard, it's hard
1: not to do that. You're like, oh my God, she's so good. or he's so amazing and it looks so effortless and you know he's doing this or she's doing that this way maybe I should try it and but yes try everything but then you know take note of of what feels good and what doesn't and make sure that what feels good just try to stick with that Hmm. and and harness that yeah
0: I think that's yeah I think that's great advice um you said that you you mentioned that you've you've learned a lot the sport has taught you a lot about your yourself mentally so what would what would you say is like the number one thing that it's taught you about yourself over the course of your career?
1: Um, the main thing is to, well, it's really hard to care less about the results. The closer, Mm. the closer you get to competition for me, the less I have, I I try to care, but it's, it's really tough. But if I go in caring, I'm going to be super stressed and I'm going to be in my head. Mm which happens a lot. And it's, that's, that's no, absolutely no good.
0: Yeah. Stay out of there. It's scary in there. Stay like out this. of the head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> stay out of the head, especially on competition day. So I try to just go into my body and, and feel, feel what I'm doing and let my body know what, do what it knows how to do. If I can mm. do that, then it's a piece of cake. The, the hardest part for me is just getting out of the head and getting out of, you know, I'm here to compete, you know, getting out of, getting it out of that. If I can just relax and let my body do what it does, then I'm, I'm good.
0: So when you're in that, when you're in that, when you're in that mindset, right. When you get, when you get to that flow state, um, are you on the platform by yourself, even though there's people on platforms next to you, or is it just you and the bell and nothing else exists? Or are you always mindful of what else is like Cause I've heard some people say like, no matter what, they're always like in the room. Right. And I've heard other people say like, yeah, when I get into it, like, it's just like, it's just me. It doesn't, I could be in a, a room, an empty room. I could be in a stadium. It doesn't matter.
1: Um, I think um, it's like a meditation where you're, you're completely focused on what you're doing, but you're, to, you're also aware that there are people watching and you're aware you can hear your, you know, your fellow lifters breathing, or you can hear what they're doing. So you're aware, but uh, you're aware of what's going on, but you're hyper focused on what's going on with your activity. Mm. Um, I don't feel like I'm in a vacuum, but I, but um, just hyper aware.
0: Interesting. That's really that's really really interesting. I love that I, that's one of my like it took me a long time to ever get there with snatch but now that's one of my favorite things about snatch was it was my like it was i i'm not gonna lie like i hated it for a long time like i hated it i avoided snatch I, hated. Pra- I hated snatch practice i avoided it i avoided it but now like you get to a certain point when you get the it's kind of like golf right where like when you get the you get that one rep that flies up there and you like like, oh my God, that was beautiful. What did I that's do? So <laughs> right. That's but it's so that good. one, it's that one rep that gets you coming back because you're like, I know I can make that feel effortless. I know I yeah. can do it where it doesn't feel like work. Like <laughs> that, yes, like you exactly. try and you try and increase the frequency that you get those like those reward reps, I call them, right? Those are the like the reward reps are really what keep you coming back. Like exactly. so now I actually that's love, right. I love the the snatch now.
1: That's right. I was um in terms of what it also teaches is I I just like, I think it's with any sport or any flow state that you get out of yourself. You get out of your conscious mind. It's the same with anything. It could be golf. It could be any sport. It could be meditation or jogging, whatever it is. It just gets you out of your own mind and into a different realm. And that's also what I crave. So Mm -hmm. if it, if it was incredible sport, it, it could be boxing. It could be jump rope. It could be some other activity, but, I happen to find, find it in snatch. It's um, I, I like, I like being in another state of mind where I'm struggling and I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get through, I'm trying to let my body do its thing and get through the struggle and, and get out of the way. And I, I, I like that challenge.
0: Yeah. Uh, well said. I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. So what's, what's next for you? Like what's next on, what's next on the horizon? For well, you?
1: a couple of things. So um, the group IKSFA ICSFA, is a fabulous educational uh, kettlebell sport educational organization created by uh, a dear friend of mine. I don't know if you know him, Alex- Alexander Kaysen. Alexander passed away in August. Um, of uh, He had a brain hemorrhage, a sudden brain hemorrhage. And uh, he is, was one of my dearest friends. And uh, he started IXFA back in, uh, I think it was 2011, to bring world champions together to teach kettlebell sport worldwide. And they also hosted competitions. And uh, in 2011, Alexander put together a group of coaches, there was uh, the three Sergeys. There was Sergey merkulin Sergey Rychinski, Sergey Rudinev. There was um, Denis Vasilyev. Uh, there was Mishin. There was uh, Anton and And there were about 25 or 30 students from around the world. And we all met in St. Petersburg, Russia. And we had a training camp for a week. Wow. And we lived for awesome. about, it was unbelievable we lifted we learned the lifts we did uh accessory drills and we learned about coaching and programming so we did this for about five days and we lifted for about five hours then we retreat to the hotel to change and then each evening we would have an excursion or a tour in saint petersburg that will never happen again there were so many people there were so many um, my peers and, and the coaches, you know, a lot of us have gone our own way, started our own organizations, but the way he brought everyone together back when kettlebell sport was, was fairly new to the country, um, I don't see that happening again. It was a really special, special time. So me and Sergei Rudnev, and, uh, and Alexander's wife, Lara, we are bringing IXFA courses now online, during the pandemic, uh, and we're starting to we're going to roll it out in a couple months. We're just getting everything together and online, and we're going to start in the uh, in North America. So it'll be live on Zoom. All the courses will be live once a week, three hours each segment. We're going to learn clean jerk, snatch, long cycle. And then some kettlebell fitness movements also. So we're going to be doing this. There'll be CEUs included. And so we're going to keep XFA alive. And then when we can, we're going to also travel for uh, in-person live courses in person. But right now we're going to do it online so that everybody can keep up, uh, can learn kettlebell sport.
0: Oh, fantastic well when when that's ready to go and you if you have a link to share with me let me have it and i'll make sure that it's in the show notes because that's that's fantastic i didn't have i didn't have the pleasure of meeting alexander when he was when he was alive but i i knew of him obviously from having been in the in the in the sport for so long and haven't been in the i never had the chance to the chance to meet him but uh, i i know i know the iksfa you know um you know, and it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic organization. It so is. That's, that's that's awesome, and I I like. I wish I had a time machine to go back and, and be part of that that camp. Yeah, it that sounds, was really. It sounds phenomenal.
1: Really we had a great great time. Yeah, Alex Alex was one of the most supportive and influential people in my kettlebell sport career, and um he was just a, a person. He was a type of person who, who told you the honest truth, like what he thought but he never, he never put me down. He never put people down. Mm -hmm. You know, he was from Ukraine. He spoke plainly, wicked sense of humor. I mean, bright guy. um, And just, it it just really a huge loss, a huge loss. But um, yeah, he was definitely,
0: it definitely rang out when it happened. Like, I I mean, you know, probably 70% of my friends on Facebook are are kettlebell people. And it was like, I mean, great. The tribute, the, tri- the tributes were the tributes were uh, they were heartwarming and, and like I and I never like I said I never I never actually knew him and I still was like you know, finding myself tearing up and getting emotional seeing the things that uh, that people were writing about him and sharing the stories they were sharing about him. He just he sounded like he was a, a fantastic human.
1: He really was a special person. He was. And then secondarily, I am um, creating Lorna Fit. That's my brand. I'm creating streaming workouts uh, by membership. They're going to be kettlebell fitness workouts with a 15 to 25 pound bell and also body weight workouts that, um, so I'm producing that now and that's going to go live probably in April. So all the videos and the membership can be accessed from my site because I'm tired of seeing, you know, 20 year old women, with their perfect little butts doing a hundred (laughs) bridges and a hundred kickbacks and saying, okay, this This is is how
0: you get booty. Well, Instagram, the Instagram girl said, this is how you get glutes.
1: So, you know, I, uh, I want to speak to the women forties and fifties and over and, you know, I'm not just them, but I want to speak to them and say, no, you don't have to get on the floor and on your knees and do all these friggin' you know, hydrants and kickbacks. And let me show you how to do it. Let me show you how I, um, can help you and inspire you to work out and we're going to have fun and, uh, you know make it happen.
0: That sounds awesome. Congratulations. That's, yeah, I'm sure that's, that's been, nice. that's been, that's been a lot of, uh, a lot of effort. Has that been your, that's your quarantine hobby was, was yes. <laughs> I'm going to launch my own, my own online fitness brand.
1: Yes. Yes. I bought, you know what I have, uh, I don't know if it's a detriment to my personality or, I mean, if it's a, if it's a, you know, a good thing or not, but it's probably
0: a double-edged sword. It's probably both.
1: It's a double-edged sword. I, when I make a decision, I jump in, even when I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea. I bought lights. I bought umbrellas. Um, I had, didn't have enough light for a certain room I was filming in. So I, I bought another light and waited three more days for it to come to film, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just going by, I'm learning as I go. And that's how I do it. I just, that's how I do it. But um it's gonna be fun, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta ask, was the idea already uh was the idea already in development prior to prior to COVID happening, or was this like a COVID happened and you're like, I had the idea and this seemed like the perfect time to do it? Or
1: more the latter. More, you know, okay. COVID happened and um I delayed doing these videos, these video workouts for a while. But then again, I just I don't think there are enough uh instructors in my age category that are that are leading women to 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 work out and so i want to i want to be a voice for them and and inspire them and get them to 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 work out and work out properly and uh you know
0: yeah that is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for you. Like that is, that is fantastic. Yeah, I, I know that's, that. I know that's a, I know that's a, uh, not a small undertaking to, to do those things. Right. And uh, kudos to you for just okay. being like, well, yeah, it's like I'm what going, you're I'm, doing going I'm going two feet in, right.
1: You're, uh, you're doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, kind of. of not, production. <laughs> kind of. I'm, yeah. this is, this is, this is a lot less, this is a lot less than that, but uh, no, thank it's, you. Not.
1: it's fun. It'll be fun listen, I'm working out anyway. I like creating movements. I'm always thinking of movements that I can create for my clients, whether it's body weight movements or dumbbell. I'm always trying to come up with something creative and new and, or whether bear positions, like how can we make this bear position different or crawling things, and just be creative. So I'm always thinking of that and writing it down. And now it's just time to put it on video and, and help other people who might want to work out with me. So
0: fantastic. Really I, I love it. Yeah. I'm so, I'm very excited for you. Um, okay. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. We blocked an hour, we're, we're almost up, up against okay. it. So, this is the, the last question, but it's one of my favorites to ask people, especially, especially uh, kettlebell sport athletes who are as accomplished as you. So, if you were starting over again or you got young, young Lorna, right? and you could give her one piece of advice or you've got a brand new lifter and you could give them one piece of advice to be successful in kettlebell sport. Like the thing that you wish you knew when you started, what would be that thing that you would tell that new lifter, or you know, young Lorna back, back, you know, 15 years ago, when she first picked up a bell.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, oh my goodness. Um, I think I would say, um, be be patient just you know really be patient if you want to go far with it be patient if you don't want to go far with it that's fine too you want to do one competition one and done that's that's absolutely fine um but i think patience is the main thing just to stick to it and be patient yeah
0: awesome yeah Yeah, i love that that's great advice Well, lorna thank you so much i really appreciate you taking the time i've so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I am so looking forward to seeing all of the things that you do. I can't wait until we can uh travel again and, yeah, and get 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 together and be be on a plat- be on a platform. Uh you know, I've never met you in person and I, I really I've been I've been, I've been wa- been watching I've been watching you lift for for years, so I'm really looking forward to finally getting a chance to meet you in person. So thank, thank you, you so Jordan. much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: It's an honor to be here. Thank you for asking me.
0: Yeah, of course. Have a great night. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. thanks for listening to this episode of the platform podcast i'm jordan kundi Wright. if you have a question please email me at twin cities club at gmail.com follow us on instagram and facebook at twin cities kettlebell club on twitter at tckb club online at twin cities club.com and please help us grow our reach and give us a review on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts until next time